Welcome back to episode 42 of Black Band T-Shirt. Uh, we, in the first part, uh, talked about the first four Blink-182 albums and so finished up at Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Um, and we talked about how it kind of maybe is sometimes seen as an ending of an era of Blink but could be seen as a beginning of an era as well. So it's kind of an odd yeah. place to kind of split it but makes sense, I think, because there was a bit of a gap there it's was worth a bit talking of a gap. about what happened in that gap before we move on to self-titled or untitled rather uh, yeah. album, I suppose. In that the band were kind of maybe a little bit at odds with what they wanted to do. They they had uh, I don't know if at this point they had what what situation was the record label with the record label was obviously that the, the takes off pants and jacket was the last album with MCA. Yeah, um, and we talked about the kind of influence the label tried having there. Uh, so in the meantime Tom obviously went off and did Boxcar Racer with Travis it's a fantastic album which is a great album and I listened to it in the car on the way here yeah Um, and wow did it make me realise how much Untitled is just a second Boxcar Racer album with Mark yeah basically (laughs) you can really hear the Boxcar Racer influences on this Um, I'd I think I would have almost put it as the low light for this album is how little Mark seems to have influence on it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I, I, I'd really like to know the full story because I think there's differing accounts right, right, of the yeah. whole thing of how... There's, there's accounts of how Mark felt kind of betrayed by Tom and Travis going off and doing Boxcar Race without him. Yeah. Um, it was obviously Tom wanting to get that side of his creativity out there because he had been stifled in Blink to do that I think it's complicated I think part of the thing is I, I have the feeling with Mark it's kind of a thing of he wouldn't have wanted to go straight out and say he betrayed me no too, too, too early on so he probably would have said it but then I think at some points especially after the band split mm. he might have felt freer to say that mm. and then I think as he got older and had more distance from it he yeah. might have, that sense of being betrayed might have dissipated yeah, yeah. And then, and but obviously, he he kind of appreciated what Tom was trying to do enough to then be yeah. happy with that becoming the uh, sound for the next album. And um, he did he did make a guest appearance on the Boxcar yes. Racer album. Yeah, which had some amazing songs yes. on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, uh, Letters to God is yeah. one that I'd forgotten about until I listened to it again today. It's just incredible. I still love um, There Is just mm-hmm. as a really nice. It's not really a crush song. Yeah, it's more kind of a. I, I feel it more as a reminiscing yeah, yeah, yeah. about a happy time in a relationship song. Yeah, it's decent. I, th- I mean, um, I I feel so was always the one that I like knew the best. I think at the time it was like the big one, wasn't it? But yeah, and then obviously at around the same time you had Travis sort of exploring hip hop a bit more by doing the Transplants, which was kind of yeah. a sort of hip hop punk crossover project with. Um, Members of Rancid, and I don't know who else was involved particularly. I've I never known much about them. I enjoy it. There's, there's like individual. I've got one of their albums, and there's individual songs that I've always enjoyed of theirs, but I've never particularly massively think, got into it. Yeah, I listened to them. Basically, I heard Travis was working. And I thought, yeah. oh, let's take a listen, yeah. and I thought this isn't my thing really, which is fine. Yeah. It's, it's someone else's thing. Di- the song Diamonds um, and Guns was always one of my favourite running songs when I briefly was into running for yeah. a little while. Um, yeah, so you know, all all things that I think. It makes sense that they went off and, and and explored those other sides to what they were doing yeah. and then brought that into to what we're going to talk about now. With the 
um, untitled. I think they haven't been entirely consistent when they've called it untitled or self-titled. No, I think the original release it was um, it was like untitled was how it was kind of billed and things. But yeah, I've always called it self-titled. Um, um, but this was a really massive album for me. I really loved it. It was very. Yeah. very hard decision whether, whether this goes first or second yeah and like i say i think like it is my number one i think mass nostalgia is a massive part of that for me mm. as well like i said i remember it coming out and us two yeah listening exploring to it. it together kind of thing and that yeah. was it's the first album i can remember ever really doing that with anybody i think this was definitely the first yeah yeah it's the same thing i think this was definitely the first time we sat down and listened yeah. to it together and all that stuff and then sort of learned like i remember we used to jam like easy target and yeah sort of a couple of other songs from it i think like, we tried to jam stockholm syndrome but that was <laughs> very briefly a bit too, it was a, 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 a bit too technical yeah technically difficult for yeah. us um certainly at the time poor poor church hall um but <laughs> i think that or my garage that was that one was in your garage yeah yeah <laughs> poor poor um, neighbors yeah um but, but yes yeah, so i think it's, it's this this it is an album it is a divisive album mm. because like i said i can completely see how people who were older when blink first came about yeah. and were fans of what they were doing originally there's not a lot for them here. Yeah. If that's what they're really into. On the other hand, there's a bit for a bit of if you're a bit older now and you listen to the earlier stuff and think, oh, this is a bit immature. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this is a this is a mature album for you. And I genuinely think there are elements of this album that, you, that I wouldn't say this for, but overall, the majority of this album still sounds pretty fresh for something that is twenty years oh, old God, this yeah, year. Yeah. You know, it's 20 years old this year and there's still songs on there that I think if I heard them now I would think are pretty good and I would think are contemporary. Yeah. Um, it's very, very sort of forward thinking in that, in that oh, sense. Oh yeah, it was hugely experimental at the time. I, yeah. Um, and again, Jerry, having Jerry Finn on board to help them yeah. execute that well. I think also this album is possibly one of the best ones for exhibiting a certain element. Hmm. Is it, it's between this and there are a few album, a few tracks on their previous albums that maybe they yeah. exhibit it better. But this is the one that's really consistent through the album, mm. right? Um, this is where, you know, I promised another sporting analogy. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, people often criticise Blink, Blink as um, the bass and guitar parts as being mm. easy to play, mm. right? And I kind of feel that they are quite easy to play mm. in the same way as when you watch an elite football team, mm. like Man City are great at this. yeah. Um, I'm not a Man City fan, but <laughs> they are very good at this. And they score one of those goals where it's like 15 really easy passes yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they slot it in like mm. the goalkeeper's not even there. And you can look at the, every pass in isolation, every yeah. individual few moments and go, well, they didn't actually do anything I couldn't do, Yeah, right? And then you try and replicate it with your five-a-side team and discover that Actually, it's everyone working in yeah. brilliant synchronous synchronicity. And seeing that bigger picture, isn't that it? makes it yeah. work. Yeah. And actually, while yeah, what a lot of the moments are very simple in what everyone's mm -hmm. done, um, the planning and the way it's put together mm -hmm. makes it really work. And this album just yeah. is like that with all the different things going on because there's so many tracks and instruments all working to build this. Yeah. And get something where every individual bit sounds easy, but it works well together in a way that you can't really plan. The other thing you learn when you try to do that with your five-side team is that while, yes, that's a simple pass to make, you need to make it very accurately with a lot of precision and mm -hmm. and 
you know mm-hmm. it's it's actually when you try and do it not as easy as you think and i think there's a bit of this in there that yeah it's easy to play octave chords but it's done how, how with, do you deploy them well it, <laughs> yeah. it's done with precision like yeah, yeah there's that he just hits that note and bends it a bit but no is a is is a very preci- yeah. precise about what he does like i'm thinking of obvious which has yeah, those yeah, yeah. bends on the riff where if you get a beginner to play it they just go okay they yeah. just it's like no that doesn't sound right you've got to get the yeah. feeling of it right yeah, yeah, yeah. and yes that's my final sporting analogy for the day probably <laughs> i mean I th- you know but i think that's great i think i think you've hit it on the head there um you know it's that it's the not being afraid to explore m- a wider range of influences outside of yeah. the punk spectrum is a big part of it as well. As a quote that I hadn't heard before that I found today about um, Mark recalling that Travis entered the production process by urging the band not to think of it as the next Blink-182 record, but to think of it as the first Blink-182 record. Yeah. So, And I think in that sense, I, 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 I would assume in that sense of, you know, let's not be afraid of doing things because it's not what Blink would do. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I mean, I mean, there's, there's certainly songs on here where if you... It, they're, they're about as far from what Blink were known for as you can get, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't realise they had... They enlisted the help of James Guthrie, who was an engineer, who was also an engineer on Pink Floyd's The Wall. That, they they that, particularly did that get him tracks. on board. <laughs> yeah, they particularly got him on board. Um, they, there's something about, at some point, collaborating with DJ Shadow. I, don't, I think this is Travis's side of it. Yeah. I don't know if he actually had any input on the album in the end, but obviously they were talking to each other. Um, and Travis was friends at this point with the Neptunes as in um, shit his name's gone Pharrell okay Neptunes <laughs> you know Pharrell was, was part of um, sort of hip hop production duo massive um, again I don't I don't think any of that actually came to fruition in the end but the fact that they were talking about those kind of people I shows you the different approach they had here. This is definitely one of the albums where you can really hear even if you're not that attuned to listen to the drums. Mm. Which I most people who listen to music are not that attuned yeah, to yeah. listen to the drums. They they you listen to the vocal primarily listen, and then, you listen to the yeah. vocal primarily and then the melody and yeah. and unless you listen up. But this is the one where you can really start to hear if you're not listening for it how diverse Travis mm. is as a drummer and he really starts to really go and say look I want to do all these different styles, yeah. and I can I can make I, them work yes. with what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and he proves so that he can make it work very yeah. successfully. It, it's one of those ones of this is possibly the album where Travis starts to really become important, not just as a drummer, mm. but as someone who understands actually shaping the sound of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, is it like? It, I hadn't realised how as well how they, so they'd missed release dates for this <laughs> over and over again because they were trying to get it right mm. to the point where so they they'd moved to Geffen Records for this one yeah um, and Jordan Sher who was the president then he made a call asking what's the absolute last possible second that we can turn this thing in and still make the release date <laughs> um, so basically they were still judging it and making mixing decisions on it the night before it was sent to the pressing plant. Yep. Like working right up to the deadline. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that makes this album interesting is they, they are using the production as another instrument. They are. 
and I, I love I love it when albums do that. I think it makes such a difference. Yeah, it did make it a weird one because I when I saw Blink One Eight Two when they toured this album, mm. um, and I think I managed to see them at Reading the year before it came out as well. So yeah. there's a kind of a bit of a baseline. I remember you um, going to see them on this one was when you dyed your hair, right? Y- yeah. <laughs> Less said about that, the better. Um, but yeah, I think I saw them. I ended up seeing them twice on the tour actually. Because they did first like a big arena tour, yeah. And I went to Wembley, right. not stadium, but the Wembley Arena, yeah, which yeah. is like big, to see them. And then they came back again and did a lot more smaller venues. And I went to see them. I saw them again at the Brixton Academy. Nice. Yeah. Um, although you could tell by that point, because basically they they finished the show early. Mm. Like Tom stormed off in a rage, mm. and Mark tried his best to entertain us for a little bit. And Travis was like, okay, "I don't want to be here." Yeah. Um, I can't. Did you come with me to that one? I no, I, no, I didn't see them. I did, the only time I've ever seen them live was when Tom later rejoined for the neighbourhoods. Oh right. Yeah. So yeah, I, it was an interesting time. The Mark and Tom were definitely not getting on very well. No. Um, apparently, for this was it this album? Or was it neighbourhoods? They were writing in separate rooms. This. Oh no, no uh, that's that was neighbourhoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for for this one, you could. Is one of the interesting things about the album knowing that they split up essentially after this album. Yeah, like pretty much on. Yeah, like you say, like in the touring of this album yeah. was was the final straw. Wasn't if it? you listen, if you listen to it, listen, you know, knowing that you can sort of hear disagreements with yeah. them. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I re- I remember being devastated <laughs> because it was quite soon after this album came out, wasn't mm. it? Um, yeah. yeah, they basically toured the album, then they were they were done, yeah. and then Angels and Airwaves and Plus Four Four. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that people seem to remember Plus Four Four very fondly. No, well, no, Nikki and I were talking about them the other day when I was sort of discussing about what we were going to talk about. Um, I never really got into it. Like I, di- I didn't mind it. I liked the couple of singles. I tried and I wanted to, um, but, but there's always something missing. With, there was, with, yeah, there's something top. missing. <laughs> and I, I also, I know Angels and Airways were massively successful. Mm, it's just never been my thing. But yeah, it was kind of they went very much more down the stadium pop yeah. side of what was starting to come through in this album. Bit was yeah, those, yeah. those, those yeah. songs written for big stadiums. Yeah. And Angels and Airwaves went a lot more down. They're very good at what they do. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, doing this, it's one of those things that I've wanted to do and I didn't quite get time to, and I still will afterwards, is, is to go back and actually... Because I've never actually listened to a whole Angels and Airwaves album. Ah, uh, right. Just kind of... Because I've always kind of prejudged it, knowing what Tom's like and what the singles from it that I had heard. I think I put one um, on while I was working. Mm. And it's fairly decent music to work to, to be fair, because yeah. it's not that distracting. Yeah. But I found it very, it's very ethereal. It's very middle of the road kind of thing. Yeah, I found it quite middle of the road. Yeah. It's, you know, works. I yeah. think Tom definitely got a lot out of it personally. Yeah. And I don't mean financially, I mean artistically, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> financially too. And I think I do think him having that freedom has meant Along with with being able to do the sort of post hardcore stuff on on Boxcar Racer and this album, mm. I think doing the Angels and Airways stuff as well helped him grow as an artist yeah. in certain ways, which we'll talk about obviously with the next album. But yes, we talked. About, I talked about the the immediate nostalgia kick of when Anthem Part Two opens, "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket." Mm. Feeling this is a very close second to that. Yeah, feeling this. The story behind that was written is quite fun. Go on. So they they both. 
went and one they both wanted to write an opener i think uh-huh. or something they both went mm-hmm. and wrote a wrote a part of it yeah and tom wrote quite like a raunchy sex song yeah and mark wrote a basically another cute crush song yeah, yeah and then they just used one bit for the verses and one bit for the choruses yeah. and it works brilliantly it does work brilliantly i i love the chorus i mean it's that juxtaposition as well yeah well um, this this is the other thing when we we talked you mentioned earlier about how they don't seem to use the two vocalists together mm. that much this is a song where they absolutely yeah do, where they do use it, it well um and the the outro i absolutely love mm-hmm. although the fade outs are impossible to play play yeah. live which yeah. frustrates me slightly but it works so well for this song there's just every element of this song i think it works really well you've got mm. i mean it's i may as well just say it's, it is my favorite here mm. Okay. It's, it's maybe my favourite Blink song. I put it number three. Fair enough. Um, I think, yeah, I do think it maybe is my favourite Blink song just for being that one that I can put on. There's nothing problematic about it. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's got the nostalgia hit. It's still inventive. Yeah. Um, Although Mark does go back to the hold my hand thing. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- but um, hey, you know what? I love that. I I love that he goes yeah. for that. And I think you know it's 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 impossible to separate it from. You know, I think I think as with anybody, teenage years for me were mm. a mixed bag yep. of emotions, and I associate oh. this song with the happy bits. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think that's always going to be part of that. Um, like the 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 use of flanger on the drums. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't work, but is brilliant. And something they return to and of quite course, often. This was the lead single. This was out yeah. before the album, yeah, so yeah, yeah. there was a lot of because this. I th- I think this was possibly the first album where I knew it was coming yes. out and was like, I want to get that on release yeah. day. Yeah. And hearing this song as a tease, and I had it quite a few times later with mm-hmm. Iron Maiden albums with yeah, other yeah, albums yeah. I was into. But I just remember, yeah, I remember being very excited by it as a song before the album, definitely. And then you've got like that. Um, that massive breakdown bit with the, the Travis's drums sounding absolutely huge like they're being played in a cave with Tom yeah. like shouting the vocal from the other side of the room I, th- I think I heard that was recorded in a shower Tom I was in a shower that right but I couldn't find anything about I it I think it's in the album liner notes in the liner notes yeah okay. so ah right no okay so apparently was it another song that was recorded in the shower yeah so according to the liner notes it's um, Mark's part of Stockholm Syndrome Oh, it was recorded in the shower. Fair enough. Yeah, I um, knew. But Tom's, I remembered there being something about that. Yeah, no, Tom, that bit of Tom's in Venus is is in a hallway. He he was shouting at one end of the hallway, and the mics were at the other end of the hallway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. There were big songs. So as much as I said, I think this album suffers a bit for not having as much of Mark's influence on mm-hmm. it. Some of the, I I do kind of also feel like he did lead some of the songs that are a bit weaker on the album, maybe. Yeah. Um, like Go is a decent song but would be more in place on one of the previous two albums Go is my worst and my second contender for worst is one that I didn't realise is quite a fan favourite apparently oh yeah which is Down interesting I, yeah Down I always thought was I like it more than I used it's... to I used to think it was just pretty boring I now definitely appreciate it's Good points. Yeah, but, um, it's a, one of those really smartly written ones with yes. the way the bass harmonies work. Yeah, and 
um, the the whispering in it is really good. That's yeah. so effective. And I love how it goes into the fallen interlude. Like, yeah, yeah, that works brilliantly. Um, this, this is definitely one. I think one of those songs that really shows off how Mark, how good Mark can be with the bass. Mm. But yeah, it's one of the. I've made the note that the, the lyrics in the chorus, especially, are really melodramatic, and I don't think it earned that melodrama yeah. somehow. Yeah, exactly. I can't really explain why it didn't earn them. And but. I think some of that. I mean, interestingly, for what comes up later, um, I didn't realize someone a, a band that was a big influence on Tom. I think earlier mm. on than this, but you can hear it on some of these songs. Um, was Alkaline Trio? Oh yeah. I think with some of the more melancholic, with more melodramatic yeah. lyrics, I think you can hear that. So I've put my worst song on it, and worst song on this album is very relative. It's yeah. still a good song. It's uh, Asthenia. Yeah, that'd be, which, and that, that'd be that's that's it's that section for me is the weak section. It's another one of Tom is into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Asthenia is a I can't remember what it was I think it's a name for a particular th- feeling that astronauts get something to do with of, isolation about yeah it's treated by the isolation and the, the confined space and that feeling of that you'll never get back to earth yeah um, which I funny enough didn't really relate to <laughs> <laughs> I think the harmonised I feel alone and tired line in the chorus is the best uh, bit yeah, of it. yeah I think that's really good um, but yeah I kind of put it's a bit all over the place lyrically and the transitions yeah. don't really work Another band that comes up a lot on this album mm-hmm. in terms of influence that I think is there and there's a definite clue that it's there mm. um, that I think is present in that song as well is The Cure. I think there's some quite Cure-esque stuff going on with the drum beat yeah. in, in that one. Okay. Oh, I of, would not have of, picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it's a lot of percussion. A lot of percussion and drumming stuff that, that is used is quite yeah. reminiscent of what The Cure would do. Um well, I mean, the Cure. Though, they got didn't they get Robert Smith they in did. to they sing Smith for all of this? All of this, which oh, I wonder if I should come back to that in a bit. Well, I really love how the riff to all of this is the outro to Easy Target. It's, it's. I mean, uh, you could and, you could get away with having it as one song, couldn't you? Yeah, on the track list essentially. I'm trying to think if they did do that live. I would have hoped so. I think when they did it live Mark sang it because yeah. they yeah. didn't drag Robert Smith on tour with yeah. I love. Um, I mean I, lo- I, I love Robert Smith the bits I think he's such a sweet man whenever you see him interview about anything but I found again today I was looking a bit more stuff up and I found a bit from him about where so they were really hesitant to approach mm. him yeah so I think they had someone someone who was on their team was also on the team for The Cure Okay. Which was their kind of way in to kind yeah, of yeah. contact him. And they sent him the recording of all of this, the mm. instrumental, just as like, you never know, he might yeah. be up for it. And they essentially thought, they were worried that their legitimacy would be in question because of their previous yeah. output and stuff, and him being like, why would I want to work with them? Mm. Um, but apparently he like obviously obviously agreed to work on it, wrote, yeah. wrote the stuff that he did, recorded it uh, from London, uh, and sent them a note saying nobody knows what kind of songs you're going to write in the future nobody knows the full potential of any band I really like the music that you sent me oh isn't that lovely is he, he is lovely um, yeah you mentioned the Fallen Interlude a bit because I've, I've just mm-hmm. found that bit in my notes this is I can't remember where I got this I think it was like on one of the reviews I think I found a list yeah. of like top Blink 182 songs ever and this one some commenter who I didn't write down the name out of was 
this this is a song you either loved or hated, and it changed each time. I kind of get that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, now I love it. Yeah. I think because I'm much more versed in that kind of music. Like, mm. it's it's Travis's hip-hop jam, essentially. Yeah. I, I put on here awesome grooves, but not... It's more of a Travis Barker track than a Blink-182 yeah. track. It's, it's, it's so... Um, sick Jacken, I think is how you say his name, from yeah. uh, Psycho Realm hip-hop group. Okay. I helped write it. Um, oh, yeah, I've seen that name. And Travis just gets to go at it, essentially. Yeah. And, I mean, the bass line is sexy as hell. The drum fills are absolutely amazing. Um, I think it's an interesting choice as well. I think this is an album, a song that they clearly wrote, and this is the first yeah. for them, with no intention to ever perform live. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a studio album. Yeah, definitely. I think, and the, like... And, uh, yeah, and that, that down, 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 pick me up, I'm falling yeah. vocal line at the end of it is, is great. Yeah, and it kind of links it back to the previous song on the album yeah. this is this is something they do start doing on this album mm. I think this might be the only album they really do it yeah. is songs refer to each other because of course I'm it's, lost it, yeah. I'm lost without you refers to a bit in the pickup for Stockholm Syndrome I've not considered and, it but it might be why it's my number one actually as well because that is something that I'm always a sucker for is albums that that that, what, that feel like one thing a cohesive you know? piece yeah, yeah. I say I'm a sucker for it like that's just it's a good thing <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah yeah I, uh, what was I going to say yeah I, I think it's interesting as well that all of this the one with Robert Smith on it yeah um, was going to be the fourth single interesting they hadn't split up so their singles were feeling this so originally always easy, and I miss you yeah. yeah so originally easy target was going to be a single and they put Down out instead so Down was the last single from it Oof. I'd have loved Easy Target as a right? single so they, they put Down out instead of Easy Target all of this was going to be the fourth single before mm. they split up and it was going to have a video directed by M. Night Shyamalan oh my goodness like what could have been uh, which apparently was going to be about vampires <laughs> I'm less excited because of for course. it now <laughs> um, yeah amazing um I think one thing we haven't actually mentioned for this album that is worth saying mm-hmm. is one massive difference between this album and the last album, apart from what the band did in between, was um, the world changed yes. on September the 11th, yeah. 2001, which was a bit after Take Off Your Pants and Jacket came down. Mm. And I know it's one thing that made a massive difference is that because Tom's brother serves in the Navy. Oh, right, okay. So he was very deeply affected by the mm. effects of then... You know, the war. going to yeah. war in in the Middle East again. And they um, went. They went and toured the Middle East, didn't they? Before this, they I probably did. Prior to this album, I think they went and did a tour of the Middle East for troops. Uh, I can imagine they did. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but that that's one thing I think that very like important. I don't know if it's worth massive saying, but you know, mm. a big part of I think of why this album feel it was a lot more mature was because the world's. Yeah. lost a lot of its well, innocence it's, it's undeniably darker than anything oh, God, yeah. before yeah um, like uh, there was a song the song Violence yeah is very explicitly about you know Tom was very much had in mind that change in the mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. Um, I think I Miss You I think is maybe the most overplayed and overrated here I remember it's, it's a good song but it's kind of Slightly irritating. So I think I remember probably it probably would have been like a day or two after yeah. this album came out, yeah. and we both had a chance to listen to it. Yeah. And we probably our first conversation about the album. 
I seem to remember saying something on the lines of, I really love I Miss You, I hope they don't make it a single. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, You're right, though. It would have been a much more appreciated song if it stayed an album track. The thing with it, right, so it comes after Obvious, which is this really grungy, dirty song. And then it's right before Violence, which is... It's got this really like it's. They it's, are they are both two of the ones that sound the most like boxcar racist yeah. to me. Yeah. But the thing is, they've both got this really unsettling, slightly mm-hmm. discordant thing. And violence has that really whispered like in the back of your head, and then it gets really aggressive, like feeling as well. And then with obvious, it's got this really aggressive grunginess, and then there's just this really pretty song, very acoustic in the middle, that kind of. Is a palate cleanser between mm. the two. If you put those two songs back to back, mm-hmm. they lose their impact yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The bass, amazing. Mark's vocals have never sounded better than, no, yeah, than on yeah, I Miss You. definitely good in that. Um, I love that the upright, the use of upright bass was inspired by the Cure's Love Cats. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> um, Very different kind and of song. But. I think part of the problem with it as a single is that you don't have the context of it on the album. Yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. one thing that really made that song work really well. I'm a massive defender of that song mm. because, as a single, is not the place for it. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you don't want to hear it sandwiched between. I'm trying to think what else was popular at the time. You know, "Holiday" by Green yeah. Day, and um, I don't know, some uh, so probably something by uh, Good Charlotte or something. Probably yeah, like, between know. those two songs, <laughs> yeah. it just feels weird. Yeah. Having said that, I know everyone takes the mix out, Mickey out of Tom's vocal. I was going to come on to this next. Go on. I do think it would have been a better song if Mark could sing both verses. No, you see, I, I, I'm, I'm in two minds about this. Because there's no denying Tom's vocal is just bizarre Yeah. on this. Like, he's doing the thing that he's known for doing, but on, mm. on such a stripped-back song, it's suddenly much more glaringly obvious how weird, how weirdly he is pronouncing certain things and what, yeah. pronouncing certain things. But I think you could also argue that the song wouldn't be anywhere near as unique and memorable if he wasn't doing that. Yeah, I don't think it'd be... Mem- I think it's made the song very memorable, but not necessarily for the right reason. Yeah. Um, it's one of those ones of... Because you've heard... If, if, if Tom had sung it, mm-hmm. much more in the style which he sings I'm Lost Without You. Mm-hmm. You know he's got that chorus, You scared of being Much straighter, isn't it? Much, yeah. he, he kind of he pulls the edge off his voice. Yeah, yeah. If he'd done that for this song, I think his vocal would make a lot more sense the, on it. The immortal voice inside my head is the, I mean, uh, that, that's, is the one that sticks out. Okay, so the thing with that is that H's don't come across very nicely when you're singing. No. That's the, but most people manage to cover that up somehow. What's <laughs> inside my head? You know, you, yeah. you can do it, but yeah, I, I understand why people take the mickey, but on the, on the hand, it's like, that's just a common technique yeah, yeah, that yeah. singers use. Get over it. Like, you know, if you're a backing singer, you often entirely yeah, drop yeah, yeah, H's yeah. and P's and S's from songs yeah. and T's because if they're slightly out of time with the lead vocalist, it's going to sound bad. But, um, and H's, yeah. It's, I don't know, maybe he recorded it as a backing vocal and they put it for, for, for probably not. But I just think it's one of those, I think it's just an intro, his voice generally is an interesting conversation because it is very unique mm. and some people cannot bear it. I can, and I get why. Yeah, I think on a um, song like that, you get it. Yeah. It reminds me, yeah, because it, it's... It's a good voice in the wrong context on yeah, that song, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just had in mind someone on Room 101 wanted to put loud people into <laughs> Room 101. 
and to try and prove her wrong, they had Brian Blessed do some snooker commentary. <laughs> and I kind of get the feeling that some that, that the way Tom approaches this is a bit like Brian Blessed doing snooker commentary. Yes. Yeah. Which, to be fair, he did perfectly fine until someone missed a shot. Then he started yelling. <laughs> Very funny. Look at look up Brian Blessed snooker room one hundred and one. You you won't regret it. Nice. Um, I think something something else that illustrates how differently they approached this album mm. and what you were talking about in terms of like the seriousness of it and the darker side of it and stuff. I suppose is is that interlude between violence and Stockholm syndrome mm. of um, like the piano led part and then the. Um, was, I, I made a note of the actress that it was actually Joanne Wally. Yes, uh, reading out the letters from so beautiful that Mark's that. grandfather to his grandmother during World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Right? And the thing with doing that is that because you know, because like this is also an era mm. where you've still got physical albums with liner notes yeah, you can yeah, read yeah. all that stuff. Is you know that that's authentic words. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can very much. I think you can feel it in Wally's mm. performance as well you can hear that those are very genuine, authentic mm. feelings. It's not something that someone trying to put themselves in the mindset has written. Yeah, and it could easily have been an overly cheesy yeah. thing if, if it had been that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. also if they tried to read it themselves, maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. the decision to get a professional actress yeah. in to read that bit definitely. was well judged. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, so if we're talking... I think you, you said feeling this was your number one. Yes. So I put it in as number three. Yeah. I'm curious what, you, what your number three is. It is all of this. All of this. The Robert Smith one. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I, I really love it. I think, and again, I think it's just something that you, prior to this album coming out, you would never have predicted that they would have a song like that on there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've forgotten that Tom's vocal never sounded better. I'm trying to remember what Tom did on it now. On which one? On all of this. Um, use me, Holly. Me. Yeah. Which begs the question: Who is Holly? Uh, do you not know this? <laughs> no, I found this out today. <laughs> so, Brilliant. so obviously, Easy Target and all of this. The kind we, of we talked about basically yeah. being the same song, even lyrically, it's it kind of all links in, right? Mm. Um, so it's uh, based on a story. Uh, at the time, in the liner notes, they just said from a friend. Turns out that friend was Jerry Finn. Okay. Um, in his middle school years, he was in love with a classmate, Holly. Mm-hmm. Uh, invited him over to her house. Oh yeah. Only to have her and her friend drench him with a hose, and humiliated, he rode home on his bicycle. Ah, oh. I think I remember seeing that in the liner that notes. That story now. is the source of Easy Target now and all you've of said this. It. Yeah. So Easy Target was in fact my number two. I thought it might be up there for you. Yeah. It's one that's gone down in the rankings for me. I mean, I think for me, the love of it was always that it was bloody fun to drum to. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of the thing of it. Is, is one thing this album doesn't have so much of is just some good fun songs, yeah. and I love a good fun it's, song. It's the most fun. Here, it is, it? yeah, it's yeah. definitely the most fun song. I mean, Go is also quite an upbeat fun song, but the subject matter but isn't, a, and it's a bit throwaway. As it's well. a bit throwaway, uh, but you know, the subject matter is about him trying to get his mum to leave. Yeah. Maybe, which, all right, Stay Together for the Kids was about a similar thing, mm. but opposite message, weirdly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, not, but uh, did did it better. And, and musically wasn't trying to be fun, whereas Go yeah. is a kind it's of Go, bouncy it's, song. It's kind of a weird bouncy, and then the lyrics, it's that yeah. lyrical dissonance, which yeah, can yeah. sometimes work, mm. but I didn't feel it. With Easy Target, it's just fun, it's upbeat, yeah. solid. It's, I think this one says it's like the heaviest <laughs> guitar line on the album. 
and it's and it's still different as well. Yeah, it's yeah. Still different from, from um, I love. I, I really love the transition from that to all, all of this as well. Like oh yeah, it gradually slows down into the really variation cool. between the verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, killer outro, and the bass sounds huge yeah. on it. You know, yeah. it's it's just a lot of stuff I really like in songs. Um, yeah, fair enough. So yeah, I put that one as my number two. I'm not that surprised. You're not surprised. I'm wondering <laughs> if your number one is my number two. Have so you what's said, your number have two? You said your number one? I haven't said my number one. What's your number two? My number two, Stockholm Syndrome. So let's talk about that. That is my number one. Yeah, I thought um, it was. I seem to remember it being your number one for a while. It, yeah, yeah. Um, and if, I think yeah, if I didn't have that like nostalgia hit from feeling this and just went mm. at this purely objectively, I probably would. Yeah. Put Stockholm Syndrome at number one. It's just yes, yeah, phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Have it, again, that's the other thing that having the the, the spoken word mm-hmm. intro is because again, violence is quite a grungy song. I think if I remember right, violence had a massive kick of energy on yeah. the outro, yeah. And so bringing it all down with the intro, so I'm going to include that intro. I think as part of the song, yeah. Right? yeah. Bringing the energy down for that spoken word intro, so they could kick it up again, mm-hmm. was a good decision. Um, and, yeah, when when those drums, that drum like that drum beat. And the guitar comes in straight away. It's a proper punch to the face. And it's proper, like, it's really, again, it's quite, I've used the word grungy quite a few Mm. times here, but it's quite a grungy, dirty guitar sound. I think I've used post-hardcore a lot here, where you use grungy, (laughs) but it's getting at that same thing. It's that more, it's that raw and more aggressive sound, generally. Especially because, like, it's more of a production sound thing, but before their guitar part's very clean and precise, and on this one, they've done it a few times on this album, Mm. They've got a dirtier sound. Yeah, that sounds more like a damaged amplifier. Yeah. It probably was. They probably. just pulled some pulled some old well, wrecked amps. Having said that, Jerry apparently Jerry Finn had this ridiculous collection of like hundreds yeah. of guitars and amps. And yeah, so he he probably had one like this one's on its last legs. Yeah, 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 Use yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and also, there's a bit of like it's a bit hard to exp- a bit hard to explain, but there's kind of a bit of, as he's playing, they're kind of the. He's kind of getting little bits of. I've realised I knocked this over. Those top strings a bit out of tune. That's right. That he's letting. Don't have to worry about copying. He's, he's getting a little bit of like bend on the strings and just yeah. making it sound a bit detuned yeah, 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 yeah. and a bit rougher as well. There, yeah. which I know perfectly well. He can play very cleanly and accurately. Mm. He does it on always yeah. and everything yeah. else. That's a deliberate choice by mm. him, uh, which works so well. The, the atmosphere the, mm. what I've put is the atmosphere that this silly pop punk band create on this song yeah. is astonishing yeah the wall of sound they did is superbly yeah. built if you listen to how they build the wall of sound this is one that stands up so well to listening to on headphones mm-hmm. so you can hear all the all the stuff that goes in in the production to get that yeah. wall of sound built up with all the multi-tracks and the synthesizers and because you know for a typical riff they, they like chord line they you know they typically record four guitars right yeah, yeah like they record it on the main guitar you can hear yeah twice and then put one in each ear yeah. and then they record it again normally on an acoustic guitar on a guitar with a very different sound yeah, yeah. put one of those in each ear and you can hear how they've built that up mm. really well on this um and also you know i commented earlier that i really like when they do dueling vocals mm-hmm. this was the song i thought it worked so well yeah, on here yeah and again, like I think, the, this is Mark's most kind of impassioned vocal since Damn It mm. as well on this one. He probably yeah. goes for it. Um, yeah, 
some brilliant Travis moments as well obviously that might yeah. be a section yeah yeah phenomenal song although was Travis's best moment I always thought Travis sounded amazing on I'm Lost Without You yeah humongous Huge. outro for the uh... <laughs> and, and a great closer again yeah actually it's I mean it's at the I think at the I was always in two minds about Lost Without You of it being quite cheesy in this and maybe it... a bit too long but I think actually it's it's a it's a brilliant way to close an album this ambitious yeah I think it I know what you mean about the length I, I'll say with the length if you're worried about a song being too long the close is a good place to put it yeah, exactly because you're not like having people waiting for their next song to yeah. come up it's yeah. like well I'm bored of this song I can turn it off you don't know but that outro you wouldn't no, yeah. and I thought was it two different snare drum takes that they put yeah, yeah, yeah. that they panned and yeah. stuff um, I think there's there's yeah like there's a couple of other here's your letter I like but I think suffers from being so close to the end of the album I yeah. think it's often forgotten it is and it comes right after all of Hang on, I've gone yeah. straight from 12 In between to all of this and I'm lost without you. Yeah, it's in between all this and I saw it. Which, I mean, being sandwiched between two songs like that is always going to hurt. Yeah. Um, um, and always, we haven't really talked about other than kind of what you said about guitar. I, I kind of... I always used to find it quite irritating. I quite like the kind of... It's very 80s and very new wave. Yeah, I've always felt um, it's got a bit of a disco edge to it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's their indie song as well isn't it really if you put it in yeah. the context of this time a really clever video as well I like yes, the video for it the three like the three shot split screen yeah yeah. yeah 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 that's really good and yeah it always has some one thing this album doesn't have a lot of that they used to have is just really good catchy riffs yeah. and hey and, this and one's catchy got catchy vocal melody as well like, yeah yeah I, I this one feels a bit we need a single-ish. It does. I mean, I'm, but, but I have, it works. I have acknowledged as well. I think it's a. De- I think it's a good example of the advantage of restraint and simplicity yeah. in songwriting. You know. Yeah. Um, the baseline absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I've put another awesome interlude. And it's. I mean, I mean, just to, to close this chat out, like, it's what makes put, choosing a number one out of this and take off your pants and jacket so difficult. Yeah. It's actually. They're two such different they bands, are. you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're two albums that you could listen to and say, you know these are a bit different bands, right? And like, really? The vocalist sounds similar. I feel, I feel, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Tom's vocal would be maybe the only thing that really would obviously link them. And, um, yeah, then they split up. And then they fucked off. Yeah. yeah. Um, for a while, wasn't well, it? Well, so between albums was eight years. Yeah. Um, officially, the hiatus was four years. Yeah, officially they broke up. It was a couple of years. It was. It wasn't like the same year the album came out. Because I think the album came out in. Yeah, the album came out in November. In two thousand and three. Yeah, I think it wasn't till two thousand and five that they officially split. Yeah. Um, That that tracks roughly. And then. They got back together. After, so if we're talking four years, so that'd be two thousand and nine, which is. Basically, they they came back together as a result of obviously Travis had his horrendous plane accident, plane accident which, which was very I mean, lucky to survive. We we're incredibly lucky to still have him around. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
I remember like that's one of those things I remember being absolutely shaken by that when I heard the news of that one yeah um, and like having read some of the it's such a traumatic story of it all as well like well I've read some of the like some of the descriptions yeah, of the injuries horrendous. I won't I won't no. repeat them here because well and the accident itself it just sounded terrifying um yeah, I mean, I understand he still refuses to fly. I think and he's, I think he's just about able to again now. I'm okay. sure I read something about the fact that because I was thinking, like, know, are they taking a boat over to the he, UK? This is why touring was so difficult for so yeah. long because he was having to really think about how to do it. Um, but I think he is able to get on playing again now. But um, yeah, so there was that, and and also his collaborator DJ AM was on that plane mm. and survived, but then later died of a drugs overdose. Which may be related, quite probably in in two thousand and nine. I hadn't realised that Tom had had a skin cancer situation that that, you know got sorted out quite quickly. So all that happened, Mm. as well as Jerry Finn having his hemorrhage and dying as well. So you know, you go things like that happen. You're 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 going to spend time with the people who you have formed that close a bond with so yeah. that brought them back together yeah like both um, of them are going to go back to Travis you exactly. know and and both of them are going to go and remember Jerry Finn exactly. you know yeah so yeah so that was all of that as, as horrible as it was was kind of the catalyst for and I think I mean it's 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 a, something for later on but I mean you know, we are at the situation again now where last year in 2022 they announced that Tom was back on board with the band. Mm. We'll talk about what happened to all on the in between there, obviously, in a bit. But and obviously, that's in the wake of Mark's long battle with cancer. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just very telling that when something that significant happens in their sphere, in their that world, they come back to they come other. back together. Yeah. And there's something that means that. I think there was that good will for neighbourhoods mm. and I think there's going to be that kind of element of goodwill amongst fans at least with whatever they do now. Yeah. That for me personally, I'm not expecting anything that good, right? But I'm just pleased and happy to see that they're enjoying spending time with each other. Yeah, yeah. As a result of all of that. I would say Mark's period where he was suffering from cancer mm. was quite bizarre. Mm. You know, you could. One thing I found really weird about it. So, I, I'm sure everyone listening knows what Twitch is, mm. but um, mm. he he used to go onto Twitch and stream him doing the Sunday the New York Times crossword. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was like one o'clock in the morning on like yeah. a. But I'm quite a night owl, and yeah, yeah. sometimes when I'm just really struggling to sleep. I'd like just go. All right, I'm yeah. just going to take and find. Mark, who you know, when you're on, he's on chemo. You could tell that he he was struggling with yeah. speed of thought, yeah, uh, and stuff. But one thing that's quite fascinating is because fans of Bling One Eight Two and fans of the New York Times crossword don't have a particularly <laughs> big overlap. It turns out there's very it's quite a small yeah, twitch. Yeah. I think also a lot of fans who remember him in the heyday probably might find it a bit uncomfortable yeah, to yeah. see him. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously, you know, he's obviously well, lost and, his and hair. And also and maybe just not even that aware of but, Twitch as a thing. But it was really interesting to see because he talked a lot about stuff mm. and stuff with the band and mm. favorite things they did and yeah, and like it was, it was a really interesting. So you get quite good access to him. So he was mm. reading everything people wrote and answering. It's, it's, 
weird seeing him like that. Yeah, yeah. But it, you learn quite a lot about quite him. Quite intimate. It's very yeah, yeah yeah. Which given that I also remember getting a photo signed by them at Blink One Eight at, mm. at Reading Festival one year, and getting all of about four seconds of them to go true off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was so, so different. Um, it, yeah, it was. I'm very glad to see that Mark's back healthy yeah. again. If yeah. you, I, I watched the video for their new album. He looks. Mm. He's he's got enough hair. He's got his yeah, hair he's up. Got, he's, got his, <laughs> he's got his hair up, but again, he's got his mojo back. He's yeah. bouncing around like like it never happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, they've gone through some tough times, and yeah. it's brought them together. I, I think that's it. It shows it shows the strength of no matter how much they might disagree on things and and get on each other's tits. <laughs> yeah. They have a bond there that is always going to be there. And it's one of those things where if you're on tour with someone yeah. and you're trying to make music with them, yeah. having musical differences, because that being on tour is, is your whole mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. really, is going to feel like a much bigger thing than us two disagreeing yeah. about an album. Yeah. So, <laughs> or, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So then, so that was 2009 that they eventually announced yeah. they were kind of back and announced that they were going to be working on a new album and doing a new tour. It was then two years later that Neighbourhoods eventually surfaced. Mm. Um, and this one was quite a fraught one. Yeah, so basically they had lots of things all going on individually still. Yeah. Because, you know, they never intended for Bing to be a thing again, I don't think, really, at this point. Um, Tom was still very much involved with Angels and Airwaves and doing yeah. that full-time. Travis was obviously recovering. Yep. Um, and getting over things. Um, so... This is the one where you, you you mentioned it earlier with with Untitled Tale. So they would they were all working in California, yeah, but in two separate studios, yeah, and they weren't writing together. weren't writing really. together. They were just sending each other ideas via email. Yeah, um, each member had their own individual engineer. Mm. It was all self produced because obviously Jerry Finn's not there. Yeah. So that was part of what took so long is that they're trying to work all of that out and how. And I do think this is the biggest thing the album suffers from is is those things. It suffers from the production not being what we're used to from yeah. the Blink One Eight Two album. And just a bit of lack of coherence. And and it feeling yeah like stitched together. Yeah, really. I've got I know here's like are the vocals mixed really low? Probably. And like yeah, they probably it's yeah. hard to get right. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, the one thing I would say is, so you've you've got this as your worst in the end, right? I did, yeah. It's I always used to just completely shit on this album, and mm. it, it's it's there's more on it that I like than I think I originally gave it credit for at the mm-hmm. time, and I think in hindsight now, I think actually it's a much more logical progression from Untitled than I thought it was at the time as well, mm. but only in parts. It's that whole deta- it's, it's that whole uh, stitch yeah. together thing that, I, that makes that difficult. I think with me, it's not so much, it's not even the stitch together thing as much as that a lot of the album feels like it lacks energy. Yes, because one it's pretty flat. One thing that that all the albums had, mm-hmm. even when they're being quite downbeat, was a real strong energy about them. And yeah. I didn't quite get that with this one. No, um, it feels almost like an album of demos or something like that. And it also. I never really got the feeling listening to this that they were having much fun with it. No. Like, because even with, you know, we say the the untitled album is very 
it's more serious, it's more mature, mm. and it doesn't have like the fun joke songs. But you can still get a feeling that they enjoyed making yes. it. Yes, yeah, 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 right. And this one, I kind of felt lacked that, and I think that's why it ended up at the bottom because yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. I, I, I want to hear that. I think I think the reason it's crept up there for me is there are songs on it that I think are better songs than there are more good songs individually on here than for me that are on mm. California or Nine or Cheshire Cat um, personally I think see Up All Night was the first single they put out from it yeah I've never quite been on board with that song as much as some people are I think that's one of the biggest examples of it just feeling a bit weird and stitched together it feels like a boxcar racer riff attached to an old school blink chorus just uh, look at the first thing I wrote about that song intro very boxcar racer <laughs> yeah there you go. it is it is There's, it's almost identical to a particular boxcar racer riff it is yeah I can't um, remember which one off the no, top of my head now which but... one it is but yeah and it's so and it's you know it's an alright riff but it's a bit it just feels a bit awkward and janky yeah and the the, the chorus the, the like the chorus is really good. The chorus mm. gets stuck in my head for days when I've listened to it. All these demons, they keep me up all night. Yeah. I've just wrote, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's and it's delivered really well. And I think Tom's vocal is better than ever on this album. Mm. Yeah, I, I've put. You can hear that the writing and production techniques that they've mm. p- perfected before are still there. Yeah, they're just not quite landing. They in don't the same have way. that person at the helm helping them polish. Yeah, it. I've also put. I found the lyrics quite depressing. Yeah, which um, I suppose again, considering what's brought them together to make this album, is not surprising. But I guess possibly that's why it goes nearer mm. the bottom for me. Is that yeah. I, I I don't really it's want not that. A happy listen. I yeah, don't yeah. really want that in my music yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, like there's things about that song I really like, but for me overall, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, After midnight was another single, which again, Tom's vocal is really good. Hmm. Um. There's a satisfying melody and stuff going on there. I just find the chorus a bit, for want of a better word, the word I've plucked here is flaccid. <laughs> like, but it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like there's a good chorus there, but it feels half-assed. Yeah, it feels like they haven't quite figured out how to tease it out. No, it feels like um, the whole song feels like which dragging its feet a little bit. Is probably not the not the right choice of words to do with something just described as flaccid. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I really like. The, the ethereal thingy going on. Hang on. Was it after midnight you said? Mm. Uh, yeah. I really like the ethereal interlude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's quite a subtle interplay with guitars. With yeah. like this quite genteel chorus. Uh, you know, and and a good palm muting rhythm yeah, to yeah. go over stuff. Is it... Is it the song you can hear that they are good at putting together yes. songs. Yeah, I think they're just lacking for that, someone to what, glue it together. Yeah, and what you said about that energy, I think that's what's missing from that yeah. song particularly as well. I, I, Ghost on the dance floor is the opener. Um, mm. I think that's one where you can really hear the progression from some of the elements of Untitled, along with maybe some of the Angels and Airwavesy type stuff, and that kind of you know is a big synth pop feel to that. Yeah. Um, I've got, I, you can I hear the boxcar racer in it too. Yeah, I think it's a decent song, but I don't think it's a good opener. Hmm. I think it would have been better it. elsewhere on the album. I think. 
uh, Natives that comes straight after it would have been a better opener and is a better song. Yeah, I, I've got good guitar riff, great chorus. Yeah. What that's what you want. And a again, very... a more a new sort of fragility to Tom's voice. I mm. think he's worked out how to make his voice sound a bit more vulnerable and not just makes you want to hear him sing yeah. to record something like "I Miss You." Now that he's worked out how yeah. to do that with his voice a bit more, um, I've, I've put it's a take off your pants and jacket style song almost. Interesting. I mean, um, so again, I'm going to jump in and say it's my number one. Interesting. Which is interesting that you, yeah, like that. Um, which it never would have been one of my go-to ones before, kind of actually really sitting and thinking about it. But I think it's it's, it's an overlooked one. My my go-to number one previously, which is now my number three, is Hearts All Gone. So my number three is also Hearts All Gone. Which is, I mean, the first thing I've put um, for that is they found the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I said something finally more in your face. Yeah. Um, it's It's got this freneticness that makes it feel like it's being played slightly too fast. Yeah. Which is something that really characterised Cheshire Cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, something I've referenced on, on the pod before that I really like is when songs feel like the equivalent of like a runaway train it feels yeah. like it could fall off the tracks at any minute and I feel like yeah that's got that I, re- I think the thing that immediately stood out to me with that song initially when I first heard the album that I loved and still love is Travis's ride cymbal play in the choruses and those breaks he does this cool little ding 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 thing going on which is really really cool and I've got yeah the chorus is great I've got okay this is a problem where my handwriting sucks I put the somethings with the higher guitar is great. And I can't, <laughs> can't read the word. <laughs> Something. We'll Man. go with that. Anyway, and... Again, uh, that bad religion influence comes in for me, especially with the bass in the, mm-hmm. in the mid-break. Yeah, I put the interlude is really, really well thought out. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you can hear how it was constructed, and it's constructed really well. Definitely. But yeah, that was my number three as well. I wonder how, how along the lines we're going to stay here. Because my number two was Even If She Falls. Just oh, a closer. which is a bonus track. That's a bonus track? Yeah. Oh, my. I mean, have it. Have yeah, it, yeah. because, you know. Sorry, I, but, the, the, yeah. the, the source I got these songs from didn't specify what was bonus track and what so wasn't. So, to, to me, so the actual closer is Love Is Dangerous. Oh, really? So Okay, so Fighting With Gravity yeah. is also a bonus track. Yeah, so Fighting With Gravity I thought was weird. I've never heard it before, and it just doesn't sound like Blink in any recognisable way. Mm. No idea why it's there, even as a bonus track. Even if she thought it was much better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Fighting With Gravity, I said it's a very bleak song about fighting a hopeless fight. Yeah. Um, Love Is Dangerous as the actual closer, I thought, is the most full-on Angels and Airwave song here. And yeah. Not a good closer. Yeah, a very a bit boring. I've, yeah, you, you're copying my notes. Sorry, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of I put I I got the feeling from the lyrics of the song that it's very cynical, but with nothing much to say. No, this is it. It's all platitudes and yeah. kind of clumsy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which feels a bit insulting to Angels on Airwaves to say it's a very Angels on Airwaves song, but I, I put that as that's well. That's more just music. The, the sound is very yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like. I don't know what I'd pick as a different one instead. Um, having to go through that. my if notes, you, but if, if, if that was because it's interesting that it is. I've, I've said that as a bonus track, mm. there's nothing that, about it that means it shouldn't have been on the album. Yeah, compared to or, some of the songs that are on. Also, there. in these days, bonus tracks tend to actually match between different areas. Yes. Whereas before, like yeah. bonus tracks were very much a which edition did yeah. you get? Yeah. Um, 
Because I think there are songs here like, um, but I, I, like the one they couldn't even be bothered to name. <laughs> oh, MH four eighteen twenty eleven. I think uh, like that could probably go and in, in have and have even if she was in its place. Um, Interesting. It just feels like a slightly unfinished idea to me that one, which maybe I'm influenced by the fact that I didn't name it. <laughs> should we should we just hit highlights and lowlights briefly before I give you my number one? Yeah, got it. So Lolite, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a song, um, Is This Home? Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely bizarre. And I've put it on my Lolite, the fact that they juxtapose getting an erection with a police shooting. <laughs> Fucking hell! <I> <laughs> oh, God. Nice outro, though, I also wrote. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, what guys. the hell? Why? Why? <laughs> I mean, I didn't list it as my worst song. I put Love is Dangerous as my worst yeah, song. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Very odd. I think it might be one of those things of the feeling that might be one where they were writing independently. Yeah. And then that happened when they got put together. Yeah, I think those three for me, Kaleidoscope, This Is Home, and MH4 2011 are all sort of half-baked ideas. So I said, yeah, with Kaleidoscope, I wrote, is this a song about writer's block? <laughs> um but, I think Mark's voice suits it brilliantly, yeah. but Tom's lets it down for a change. But yeah, uh, it's, yeah, the interlude is uncharacteristically weak, yeah. the outro's poor, but the build into the interlude I did list as my highlight of the album. Yeah, I've put that, the crescendo midsection bit is, um, is really cool, yeah. However, right, so with, with your MH418 2011, mm. so that, had a, that did have a title. Okay. So the, the, that title comes from... MH Mark Hopper, yeah, so that's yeah. the date he wrote it. Yeah. Um, and because that's kind of how he. Yeah. That, that's just like his note keeping yeah, yeah, yeah. admin thing. And Tom apparently said we should keep that as the title because it sounds cool like a virus thing. Apparently it did have a title. Okay. Um, but Tom was like, no, no, use that because it sounds cool and weird. I don't think that was a good decision. Right. I think it was. I can't remember what the title was going to be. I've got the word helicopters in my head, but I have a feeling that's actually a different song. That's Kaleidoscope's got a line about the helicopter. That might be what I'm thinking of. But I can't remember um, what that title was. I think Mark did want to title it. Oh, is it? Maybe No, maybe it is that one. Yeah. The helicopter thing, actually. I can't remember now. But I th- I've, I th- I've said that it feels quite kind of reflective and hopeful. It's got quite a good end-of-album feel to it. Mm. So, okay... I really liked MH4182011. I actually put it as my favourite song on the album. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Um, guitar riff and bass is really cool. Um, and it's just something. I think this song's got the best energy to it on okay. the album, yeah, right? Yeah. I, get, I get what you're getting at with that, I do. Yeah. And also, it's, it's, it's a teenage anthem, kind mm-hmm. of. It feels like a teenage anthem, but there is something just a bit more modern and more mature and sensible about it. Yeah, and it it feels like a teenage anthem written by someone who's older, <laughs> but in a way that's kind of reminiscing. It it, it manages to make it work. Mm. I feel it manages to make it feel like. Uh, I don't quite know how to say it. Obviously, <laughs> but, um. <laughs> It's sort of more thoughtful. I've, I've put it's quite reflective. Yeah. It's kind of... It's yeah. maybe some reflecting on their time yeah. as a teenager yeah, more yeah. than a teenage anthem. Yeah. But I... 
I really liked. Actually, hang on, wait a minute. I've just noticed I've got an arrow on here. I've actually put Hearts All Gone at the top and everything okay. else. So I originally put this third, and then yeah, I yeah. thought actually Hearts All Gone is the better best one on there. Fair enough. Clearly so on a what's your other, What would round out your top three? So my 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 three two one is even if she falls. Oh, of course. Yeah. Then then MH whatever mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then, then hearts all gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what did I say? Hearts all gone. Number three. Natives my number one unexpectedly. Never would have predicted. Mm. Would be that one. Wish, no, wishing well's my number two. Um, which again I think is one where it gets fun for a little bit. Um, yeah. It's one of the most popular songs on the album, I think. It's one that they sort of made it into the live set, and I think it was a single, possibly. I've put a comment on it that this is the kind of song that I think Bowling for Soup does really well. It's, it's. <laughs> I think. Well, this is it. I think it's a. It's quite a traditional pop punk song. It's it's a pop song essentially. It's yeah. a Straightforward, catchy pop song. But it's it's got that bouncy summer feel that a lot of what they used to do had that they so, do, don't do much. Here. So I think one thing that kind of brought this one down a bit for me is that the imagery doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> lyrically, it's awful. <laughs> like, lyrically, it's a bit yeah. all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's why I think I think Bowling for Soup could do a really good job with it, because right. they are really good at taking weird images yeah, and okay. making them make sense in their lyrics. Um, I um, thought that was one guitar-wise, though. I could hear an Alkaline Trio influence again. That's interesting. Yeah, I think they get a bigger Alkaline Trio influence on their albums after this well, one, don't yes. they? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, shall we? So, I mean... After neighbourhoods saw their um, their brief reconciliation come to an end, yeah, <laughs> Tom left again, or rather, was pushed out, yeah, um, and Mark and Travis enlisted Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio in his place, yeah, and there was a lot of bad blood around that at the time. I remember there was a lot of kind of bitching through interviews and things of sort of Tom claiming that he'd never been told he was out of the band just seeing like with everyone else that Skiba had joined things like that I don't I've never really known how much to believe Tom because there's been times as well where he said in the in the interim years where Mm. he wasn't part of the band where he's been like oh yeah I talk with Travis every day and Travis then doing an interview and going yeah I've not talked to him for a year (laughs) yeah um so clearly their their relationship is fell apart a bit. Tricky. Now yeah. we we actually saw a bit of a weird show because Travis did come through. Is is Matt Skiba and Mark Hoppers yeah, doing did an acoustic. a an acoustic set? Which, by the way, if you look on YouTube, mm. you can find the entire yeah, for, Rose, the Rose Theatre in Kingston. You can find the entire banquet. thing. Um, it was great. That was a good night. It was a really good night. I have a memory of. Um, you you'd mentioned something to me about having a lot of homework to mark, <laughs> and some group of who we didn't know mm. but clearly school kids quite near me sort of saying they have a lot of homework to do <laughs> I just thought am I getting old <laughs> um, yeah so yeah so five years after Neighbourhoods Cali- California comes California up. in 2016 they also did Dogs Eating Dogs in that time yes oh yes of course which thank is, you for bringing that up yeah which I don't know. I, Which was the year, the same year as Neighbourhoods, I think. It was pretty much straight. So I don't know how much of it was like songs left off it or... I don't know. I kind of, I've listened to it kind of passed over me a bit. I See, didn't I, think there's I anything... Really, I think all except one song mm. on dog, Dogs Eating Dogs is as good, if not better, than Neighbourhoods. Yeah. I mean, it's only 20 minutes long yeah. or so. It's five songs, I think. Yeah. Um, the song Dogs Eating Dogs is great. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a few really good songs on there. I think it's the there's one on there which is it's maybe the closer. 
that's like a weird it's got a weird country feel to it and it's just horrible <laughs> so just listen to the EP and, and then just ignore that one um, but yeah no I th- that, that was really good and I think a lot of people had started getting excited about the fact that after the initial dipping their toes back in the water of neighbourhoods they were doing something better and then the next album would be pretty good again and then obviously it all just kind of imploded yeah I have the feeling that um, I listened to it and then I heard they break it up and mm, kind of went oh, oh never mind yeah yeah because it was very much, I felt more of a teaser than a yeah. full-blown thing yeah. in its own right. So we get California, where similarly with NMR of the State, we get a new band member come in. Yeah. And we also get a new producer relationship. So yeah, so John Feldman coming on board, who um, I'm not a fan of. Wasn't a fan of before he came on board for this. However, he was an obvious choice for it. He was kind of a disciple of Jerry Finn, essentially. Um, produced, you know, a lot of people that Blink went to influenced, like All Time yeah. Low and Good Charlotte. So yeah, it made sense for him to be the guy they go to. Mm. The issue I have with John Felmer's production, and I know I'm not alone in this, is where Jerry Finn managed to make bands and guitar bands sound incredibly polished and pop radio ready. Yeah. He managed to do that without losing the essence of the band mm. and with it still sounding like a live band playing. Josh Feldman doesn't manage to do that. He makes everything sound overcompressed, overproduced, and mechanical to me. And I, I only realised looking him up, looking at other things that he definitely was involved with for this, that he's also co-producer on my least favourite Biffy Clyro album which I hate for the production <laughs> along with uh, Rich Costi so, so, so you're not a fan of his production I'm not a fan of his production and for me that's a big big part of why California and Nine are as low down as they are I think there are songs on the both of them that could be better more so this one hmm. there are some songs on California I really like and when this album came out I, I got it and I enjoyed bits of it and then there's yeah. some of it that is just not good. So, one of the overall notes I have for this album is that it feels like the band are having fun again. Yes, that was the big um, thing for me that I liked about it. Yeah. yeah, and this is the big thing that puts it ahead of neighbourhoods, yeah. especially. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, this is kind of these two albums and Cheshire Cat were very much in the mix of where to put the mm. three of them. Mm. Uh, we've talked about Cheshire Cat yeah. already, but. And it's interesting, like, it was a deliberate choice by the band to revisit what the band were. Yeah. So they've ditched the progression. Tom's gone, Mm. and with him has gone the progression he brought. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah, because it's one thing Tom definitely did, like him or not, was push the band's musical boundaries. Whereas this, for the first time, makes them feel like a legacy band. Makes them feel like a band recapturing former glories mm-hmm. and it shows in a couple of the um, let's say throwaway joke songs yes which like, I think at least so I don't think so I think Built This Pool is a new one yeah whereas I think Bohemian Rhapsody is something that was knocking around for years and years and years yeah I've got on Bohemian Rhapsody that the, the riff feels like it's from Enemy of the yeah. State and I'm pretty sure it was um, at least as old as that as an idea and Built This Pool I put hey it's a joke song that actually works it's actually quite funny. Yeah. It's very silly and, you know, whatever. It's quite funny. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also, I love that 
Oh, this is why I thought Travis might have had some production mm. influence on it. Because basically, um, the, the you know, you hear him at the end going, is that it? Yeah. Was apparently, that was his genuine, genuine. reaction yeah, yeah, to yeah, the yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think, you know, I think getting that genuine reaction out of him shows, yeah, that's a joke song that yeah. works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's... It's interesting. It's you know, it is it is going back to former things, but then lyrically, a lot of it is kind of about that as well, and is yeah. is very reflective and you know, yeah. And they're they're my favourite so parts of it. As low down as this album was in my rankings, I think it was what, mm. what near, it was in, in the, the like near the bottom. Yeah. I think it I must have been your like number six. I maybe? think it was number six. I, had, I think I had nine Cheshire Cat and um, Neighbourhoods below it, so it's fourth from bottom so okay. I guess puts it so, so not too bad I guess thing. it puts yeah. it dead in the middle yeah which I guess makes sense for an album that yeah it's not particularly yeah, progressive yeah we have it in the same place in the end then, actually it's not right. particularly progressive it's not progressive as in musically mm. you know no. moving forwards it is going back to having fun which yeah. I really yeah. liked about it but I really struggle to find any low lights with it. Yeah, this is it. Um, There's nothing. This is what I was going to say. There is nothing here that I actively dislike. Yeah. There's a lot of songs that I think just kind of happen. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, but nothing that's actively bad. Yeah. Like um, I, I put for my. <laughs> I put for my low lights. Is the San Diego outro lacking a riff? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Because that's really the only thing I could really find. Like say. Yeah. I think so. This like what I like about Skiba coming on board is that they've let him be part of the writing yeah. process as well. So when when he came on board and they got um, John Feldman on board, they mm. kind of re- they had songs written. They scrapped it all. They started yeah. again. They wrote something like fifty songs for this. Mm. There's a whole. There's a bonus. There's a deluxe version of it that basically has a whole second album of bonus tracks. Some of which are really decent. There's some really yeah. good songs on there. Um, and I think, yeah, like you were saying about the Alkaline Trio thing, there's definite moments in parts of songs where guitar-wise especially, it's like, yep, yeah, that's a Skiba riff. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I've put on No Future, you can hear the Alkaline Trio yeah. um, influence. I also put, I guess this this sometimes feels like quite a few things on the song. I thought of, it's one great riff away from being a really really good song because mm. um, that's one thing Tom definitely brought to the band was yeah. he could come up with a riff yeah something that Nicky pointed out to me that I agree with I think I, I don't think I don't completely agree with but I get what she's getting at is that also something that always worked with Tom and Mark is how different their vocal ranges were yeah and that's not as much the case, Skeever, obviously, because because Tom has such a unique voice and yeah. a uniquely high voice for a man of his age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, whereas Skeever doesn't. There is still a difference there. Mm. Matt Skeever can still hit higher notes than Mark can. Yeah. And he present like, No Future is a great one where that second verse where Matt Skeever comes in the vocal on his own. And I think that was one of the first songs they put out from this as well to introduce him as part of the band. I remember hearing that the first time and going, "Oh fuck yeah, this is good. Yeah. This is going to work." Like, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Alkaline Trio fan, a big Matt Skiba fan. So for me, his appointment was an exciting. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think there are sort of pros and cons to his his involvement in that in that sense. Um, do you have a, a did you have a worst song? We were talking um, about it, quite tricky to choose one. But. 
Well, it's quite I kind of ignored the, the two joke songs because I kind of felt like yeah. it was a given. Well, the other thing kind of with the joke songs was I, I didn't dislike them. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the other thing was like with a joke song, because they are what seconds long, really. Yeah, if that had right? been a, exactly if they had been joke songs that they tried to keep up for three minutes. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing with trying to make a joke song that's that long is that you know jokes don't work like that. You know, you have a punchline. Yeah. And a punchline, I'm quoting from someone else here. <laughs> A punchline works like an actual punch. Yeah. You don't let them see it coming, you deliver it, and then you run away. <laughs> Which is very much what those songs do. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, yeah, those yeah. songs, like, they go, right, here's the setup, here's the joke, yeah. good, next song. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't like it, can I get the... Oh, it was only eight seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up putting California as my worst song. Yeah, it's, um, it's not my worst. Um, there are things about it I really like. Yeah. The intro is too Andrew Lloyd Webber for my liking. I found the song a bit of a tease. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's smartly done. Mm-hmm. It's very neat. Good. But I just found myself waiting for it to get good. Yes. I put exactly the same. It feels like it could have developed a lot more as the closing track. Yeah, and... Officially, you know. Really I say it does track. get good for the last chorus. Mm. As like, I get what the song's saying, but it's you, not doing anything for me. No, you can imagine this song if it were on Untitled, for example, mm. doing what um, Lost Without You does. Yeah. And really going bigger and bigger and bigger until the, until it finishes. Yeah. And it just kind of feels like it's just starting to do that and then it ends. Yeah, it, it, I, I put that, it hints at a build and then yeah. doesn't deliver on it yeah. and that doesn't work, especially on a closing tra- track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you hint at a build, then don't, and then the intro to the next song is yeah. massive, you can get away with it yeah. in the context of the album. Yeah. And I think this whole, like, the whole album is, is meant to kind of, a theme running through it is like a celebration of California mm. being where they came from. And... This song being the title track of that, and the lyrics clearly being a like reflective, celebratory tone of that place. Yeah. Musically, it doesn't feel like that. It's only mm. that last chorus that starts to feel kind of celebratory and and like a tribute. Before that, it kind of feels a bit more melancholic. It's just a bit of a weird, yeah, mismatch there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot. There are things. There were a lot of songs I enjoyed on here. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. didn't make my top three. I did really enjoy San Diego for that. Yeah. That, you know, it's a song about liking a place but having sad memories yeah. tied to it and that ruining it and yeah. and the lyrical dissonance and the interlude. There's a great, it's just got a great atmosphere to it, that song, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, again, this is where I think this album does it, does things best. I think it's, again, I think that's one where actually they do show some progression. Mm. Um, more proof of Skeeb's talents as well on that one. Um, yeah, it's. I, I keep kind of dancing around this because I don't want to give my favourite songs away. But it's interesting talking about the theme of the album mm. being California and being that whole yeah. thing. My favourite songs here are San Diego and Los Angeles, <laughs> which are the specific. Do you know what I mean? The ones. That, well, yeah. I think they both have that. What I've just said about San Diego in common. They both got a bit of progression. They're both a bit darker. They've both got killer massive choruses. Yeah. Interestingly, Los Angeles, for example, I think it's interesting. I think you can hear a modern Fallout Boy influence I'm, where it's kind of influence going full circle. Though. I'm looking at my notes for Los Angeles trying to think, so how did this not make my top three? So I've just put yeah. like awesome counter melodies in the chorus, yeah. superb interlude in yeah. capital letters. Yeah. 
I say it reminds me of a straight up emo song, but not sure which one. So there's it reminds me of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's probably so, that because I don't yeah. know Fallout Boy that well. Yeah, this is it. I feel like the, the, there's progression on songs like that, but the progression mm. is influenced by people they originally influenced. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah Los Angeles and San Diego sort of fight each other for my number one here so I, I've shared this note with you but I've got the note on Teenage Satellites mm-hmm. which is like it, it's a song like Four Old Men which is a great song with a metaphor for teenage romance and thank god Tom was not involved in the song because <laughs> I think it's the sort of song Tom could have ruined yeah, yeah so my that's my that's my worst so, time so, interesting so, these Teenage Satellites Fair enough. I, I, but again, not because I don't like it. It was just the one that I had the least to say about. It had a lot of meh to it yeah. as well. Um, so w- what was your number three? Uh, so my number three, in the end, is one that I, again, wouldn't have jumped to if I just think was thinking about it, um, is The Only Thing That Matters. Which okay, is, um, yeah, that's, that's, I, I like that one. Kind of straight-up scrappy punks, punk song, which I haven't yep. that many of. Yeah, yeah, awesome bass tone. Um so I, I really like that one. That one, mm. only thing that matters was actually my number one. Cool. Um, yeah, I think what I liked about it is it's doing that scrappy punk thing, mm. but it doesn't feel like an attempt to recapture the past. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And for a band like this, that's difficult to do. Um, yeah, yeah, I really like that one. I think the singles are all really good as well. So Rabbit Hole was a single. I think that's decent and, yep. and brings in a decent energy boost just at the right time. Rabbit Hole was my number three. Cool. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, great guitars. I put the lyrics "get me." Yeah, and it it kind of it could have easily ended up being a sad song. I mm-hmm. felt, but they made it angry instead, mm-hmm. which really worked. And it's like I also put. I think it's weird. I, put, I don't love the interlude, but it works fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, was this the one they did with the video? Was in a school, or was that a different I song? Remember. I can't remember. I can't remember one. any of the videos. All I remember from this is seeing some lyric videos for them. Oh yeah, they did lyric videos for a lot of this album, didn't they? Um, One song on a album that is is a shot. I don't remember videos very well. Yeah. Um, although I did put as one of the highlights for me, apart, apart from the bored to death interview mm. interlude, the out of my mind video I thought was really fun. And um, before people accuse me of only saying that because it's got three naked women in it no it was just really fun and it I didn't think it like sexualized them yeah and yeah it was hilariously obvious that none of them could play their instruments yeah but it was um, for anyone who's not seen it it's the what's my age again video where the band are running around naked yeah. causing trouble but swapped gender swapped we didn't mention um, there's those two there's that's the that's a great video and we, we also didn't mention the rock show video with all the where they got given the big budget to do it and yeah they just and they went just, around doing stupid shit with the money yeah yeah oh, they've had some yeah. history of good videos yeah. um like like the, all the small things video is absolute classic yeah, yeah. although it helps if you were watching mtv a lot <laughs> of the time <laughs> um and where mark met his wife as well on that on the set of that i think oh really yeah. i did not know that yeah. Um, I'm sure I read that somewhere. Yeah, I think it's almost you've almost got two different albums mixed up here mm. for me that I like because it's that San Diego, Los Angeles, those sort of bigger, darker songs that I really like. But also, yeah, yeah those singles, No Future, Rabbit Hole, Bored to Death, are the kind of more summery, bouncy, yeah, pop punk. And I do what like my just my art, my entertainment in general. Mm to have some upbeat stuff 
Like, there's been a massive trend, like, especially with TV and stuff. Mm, grittier of, and grittier. Gritty and grittier. Like, Game of Thrones started it, but you yeah, see yeah. it also in Handmaid's Tale and The Walking Dead of it's what I call misery porn. Yeah, yeah. And I struggle to find how people manage to watch that. Yeah, fair um, enough. A lot. Although clearly people do. That's clearly more a me thing than a, that thing. I, I had as my number two, because mm. we haven't mentioned it yet, Sober. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the Nana sections are great. I, I, put, I know you love a good Nana section. Yeah, I struggle. <laughs> I struggle with that. <laughs> I've, I've literally put my note says, okay, I've got three notes. I've got mm, thumpy drums. Yep. Then I've put great catchy chorus, shame about the hideous Nanas. <laughs> <laughs> or as I've now started referring to these, I wrote it down here and I realised, oh yeah, so I'm going to talk about it. It's Nananas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, the, yeah. The, the contrast between verse and chorus, great. And the way the chorus is different each time mm-hmm. really progresses yep. the song really nice yep. is, is you can feel the momentum through the song and cool little subtleties going on with that one like various little percussion things a clap you could use a claps like yeah a good clap section like when it's done creatively like that yeah it's a good one yeah see we're talking about this one now it's 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 one of the ones with the albums where the, maybe cause... I've got this and Neighbourhood's the wrong way round maybe I have and I thought before like probably sitting down and thinking of my ranking yeah. I honestly thought I'd have this above Dude Ranch as well mm. and I'm still not sure I, I well with comparing those two they're such different albums how like, do you yeah. like the only and so much happened in between you know yeah the like, only person who stayed the same on it was Mark yeah and even then with what how much Mark has matured mm. it would be a stretch to say he was the same person I don't think they, they're really comparable. I don't think right. they're even trying to be the same sort of album, no, right? No. Um, but then you have got things like Bohemian Rhapsody that they've put on there to appease yeah. people from back then, I feel. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to put it as to appease people from back then. I think it's like a... Just them enjoying it. It's, yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah. You, you put those songs on there because you're having a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think at this point as well, I talked about them for the first time here sounding a bit like a legacy band and like they're recapturing form. Mm. I think part of it as well is actually the pressure's off. Yeah. Like they've got nothing to prove at this point. Yeah, they're just nothing doing to it prove. because they want to do it. Oh, and hey, you know, we've got we've not got Tom anymore, one yeah. of the founding members who'd yeah. been there from the start. If this album comes out and isn't great, eh. No one's gonna really care. No yeah. one's gonna really yeah. mind. You yeah. know, Matt can go back and do his alkaline trio thing. Mark's got plenty of things he does. Um, Speaking of which, yep, nine. Yes, <laughs> I found this one quite similar in a lot of ways to California, but just really? less originality to it. I just think I. So my big thing with California being that it felt like they'd lost the progression and were kind of just going back to former things. Mm. And then with this one, they've done the opposite. And I feel like they've tried to sound like a modern pop band. And that hasn't worked either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, so this one was definitely behind Callow. It wasn't, I wasn't, didn't have any no. real question as to whether this one no. goes behind it. But yeah, it, it is one, I think a lot of the stuff that's a problem for California hmm. on this one becomes more of a problem. Yes. And I don't think they brought enough in to to overcome that there's no basically they've relied on modern pop production and um and songwriting really mm. 
and again I think John Feldman is you know is what he does it's got him all over it this one um, and I just think it's lacking in anything memorable yeah basically they've I mean, concentrated so much on trying to be I feel like they've tried to be relevant and actually it's like lads at this point don't bother I mean like, I, I struggled with a lot of mem- being memorable on California mm. as well to be honest so the one album that I really felt it had some similar kind of I don't know I just have similar feelings about uh, about it with is Fallout Boy's Mania which mm. came out the year before and it's a very similar thing of it being very like trying to trying to do that modern electronic take on pop punk and things and it just being messy and too busy yeah, I, I've put on like the um, low lights, and it's quite a general thing. Just quite disjointed sections. Yeah. Um, Basically, the one song. Th- this is the one blink. Like California, I I bought it when it came out. I listened mm. to it quite a lot. I think I had it on like when I it was when I was driving a lot still. So I used to listen to it in the car. Um, this one, I remember really liking the single that came out first, which was "Blame It on My Youth." Mm-hmm genuinely quite liked that listened to it a lot it's the only song I really remember from it before doing this because I then the album came out in 2019 which feels like a decade ago now but actually wasn't that long ago the album came out I listened to it and then I never went back to it see I wasn't such a big fan of Blame Up My Youth I think it's only because of oh, <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. I yeah. think it's because it's the one single that was out before the album, so I listened to it a few times. Yeah. And uh, that's right. it. And so I remember it. And that's about it, really. Because, yeah, I think with Blame It On Love, I said it's going for something anthemic mm. and doesn't quite manage no, it. It doesn't. No. Which I think is the theme of this album, yeah. if there was one. Yeah. It goes for that. Maybe I should have put this one below Cheshire Cat in hindsight. It's, yeah. Because with Cheshire Cat it's got its problems but it knows what it's going for and it manages to be what it's trying to be the, this was so easily my worst because it is the only Blink-182 album I can say I actively don't like see I enjoyed listening to it more than I enjoyed listening to Neighbourhoods okay. but I think with Neighbourhoods because I think this one still does have some energy to it yeah. and still well, does yeah, have something does. going yeah, for that's it true. that's true um, like, yeah. I also put with Blame I Lose that this is the only time I'll say this about any Blink-182 <laughs> song ever yeah. but I didn't think the drums were right I have so yeah so Travis um, I think he's much more in the hip hop world than anything mm. else now and I think his drumming on this and California are both very restrained to the point of being where it could be anyone see I put on this one I thought that the drums were just too busy for this song I got the. F- which I think song? Which song? I blame okay. it on my youth. The, the trouble I think is as well they've used a lot of electronic beats with the drums, mm. and yeah. when you've got a drummer like Travis, you don't need to do that. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. So with blame, I think the overall feeling I got mm. with that song is that it'd be better stripped back into a more yeah. simple song, yeah. and it's basically been a bit yeah. overproduced. Yeah. Um, oh, it's um, Dark Side was the song they shot in a school with loads of children about. Okay. And. I've got a note saying I thought the video was really cute. Cool. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's my number three song. I think that's one that has got a bit of energy to it that works. It's got energy to it, but it's quite straightforward. I did like that that one. It also, I mean, I don't know if this will mean much to you because I don't know the last time you listened to this band, but where 
all of the Skiba era of Blink kind of sounds like a mix of Blink and Alkaline Trio. Yeah. Dark Side sounds like a mix of Blink and Alkaline Trio and modern Coheed, <laughs> which is odd. But, but I, I don't think, dislike it. I think I can hear that. I, yeah, I, I like with Dark Side. It didn't make my top three for some reason. Mm. Maybe it should have done. Was that it's very understated. Yeah. And I quite, you know, when you compare it to how Blame It On My Youth is quite overstated. Yes. I think understated is better. Yeah. Again, simple crush song. I like my crush songs. <laughs> um, and I thought the interlude to chorus was really nicely judged. Yeah. I do love a good transition in a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a good transition, a good interlude. These are coming through a lot. Um, I actually put the intro and outro to Generation Divide on my highlights of the album. Generation Divide's my number two. It's, yeah, yeah, great great sound. I think it's a brilliant... Yeah, I've put the, the transition as well. The, the transition from Blame It On My Youth into Generation Divide mm. is, is great. I think with it, I wanted to put Generation Divide. I was thing is, I think there were a few I wanted to put in my top three, mm-hmm. and Generation Divide was one of them. And I thought, you know what? What I really love about it is the intro and outro. Fair so enough. I'll make that my highlight, and then I'll pick the, yeah, the yeah, top yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Um, remember to forget me. I put in at number three, which is really the end, right? It's the last song. Yeah. Really uh, effective dynamics. See, now I think th- the other thing with this album is I think there's too many songs and it meant yeah. that after, I think, Black Rain onwards, the whole second half, really, it's not it's even left, it's even more than that, it's like the second two-thirds, I gradually, as it kept going on, was getting to the point where I was like, I am fed up of this. But I really enjoy the stripped-back nature of Remember to Forget Me. Yeah. Um... I, I really like the dynamics on it. Yeah. Again, I am a massive sucker for songs that do dynamics really well. Yeah. And the lyrics were quite affecting on me. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's where, like we said, where most of the album is too busy. And the yeah. way I've put it is, that it's, it goes to sort of an attempt at maximalist modern pop a lot of the mm. time. Yeah, stripping that back for Remember to Forget Me. Still got that modern feel to it. Yeah. But much simpler. And I mean, I still have an issue with the drum production when it comes in with the louder bits. I think mm. there's all of the kind of human element and the subtlety of Travis's playing is just completely lost. Everything is turned up to 100. Um, but yeah, that's nearly made my top three. Uh, well, so have you have you given your top three yet? I don't think you have. Uh, What's your number three? Yeah, I did. I definitely. I didn't say my number one. My number three was Dark Side. Okay, yeah, yeah. Number two, Generational Sorry. Divide. Blame it on my youth to number one, just because it's the only one that I remembered <laughs> from before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my yeah, my number two, I went for No Heart to Speak of. Uh, the kind of tongue-in-cheekly t- titled uh, companion to Hearts All Gone. Yes. yes, I said I don't know why it does, so I'm not going to yeah. support this with anything other than <laughs> if you disagree with me. Fine. I don't know why it reminds me of My Chemical Romance somehow. Okay, um, I'd you have know, to listen to it again to kind of hear that. I can't but, call it. Yeah, pop punk ballad. The way it goes from soft to hard, and the structures fits, and mm. it's got some good melodies. I like that. And what was my number one? Happy days. Okay, I don't like that one. So the chorus reminds me of, uh, weirdly, um, Superfast Jellyfish by Gorillaz, but I find the chorus to Happy Days annoyingly repetitive. I've put that I really liked how well judged the melancholy was. 
there is a real yeah. melancholy behind the song that I think really worked. I and think we differ on that one. And I didn't, I didn't think they hit it right there. <laughs> Fair enough. Interesting. There's like this cry for help in the chorus mm-hmm. that's staged against the the reassurance coming in the yeah. verses. Yeah. And I don't know. It just there's something I was listening to it and really feeling. Maybe it just hit me in the mood for that yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I was Fair feeling enough. that. Um, well, no, that's cool. It's clearly this clearly achieved what it set out to achieve with you. Yeah. So I mean, a shame. We've had a very celebratory conversation generally. Yeah. And it's a shame to end with a bit of a damp squib like that. But well, they you know. have they have done a, another song. Yes. Since then, with Tom back. Yes. And so we know. So we know. As of last year, he's back. There is going to be apparently yeah. an album coming if they don't fall out in the meantime because yeah. it's been a while since we've heard anything. Well, I mean, they put the song out reasonably. I say recently, like not in the past week. No, it was twenty twenty two. It was last year. Is in the yeah, and apparently, you know, the the, the Instagram yeah. is yeah, you suggest progress is made, being made. There's apparently an anthem part three on there, which, given that we both really liked anthems one and two, we have high hopes for. I assume. Yeah. Right. So you said you listened to Edging today. I, I listened to it today. Yeah. What are your What's your takeaway from it? Um, I think, think so. I only gave it the one listen because yeah. I've been I've been running around yeah, yeah, all yeah. sorts today. <laughs> but um, I think you know it, it's got that upbeatness again, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah. Um, I think it does something musically differently. I really like, like there's this interestingness to the vocal melody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I notice is it's in swing time. Yeah. Which I'm trying to think if they've ever done a song that's I don't not think, in straight four four. I don't think they have, but it made me think of Holiday, which is also nearly twenty years old as a song. I mean, it feels it, this one. My my big thing with it. Yeah. I feel like similar to blame it on my youth because mm. it's the only single out of the new stuff. I've listened to it a few times, and so now it's familiar. And I'm getting to the point with the last listen I had to it on the way here where I was thinking, oh, you know, actually it's not that bad. And then I caught myself, I was like, ah, oh, hang on, is this is this just becoming familiar with it again? Mm. Because I think I was excited about Tom coming back because for me he's the one who's brought the interesting elements into when they've yeah. progressed and changed in the past. I, I'm ultimately, like I said earlier, I'm just pleased that they're in a space where they feel like they can uh, have yeah. fun together and whatever comes out of that, I'll have a listen to it. I'll probably enjoy it and fine. I mean, yeah, I quite enjoyed the song. I, I've got to admit, I did not listen to it with lyrics or anything like that. I just listened to it. So no. I have no way, I couldn't tell the you what any of them is. great. Lyrics are not great. <laughs> I suspect the video is weird as well. Yeah. Um, musically, I don't know. I quite kind of enjoyed it. Again, I think that I think the swing time is the first time Blink One Eight Two have done it. I just feel for a like while. that's been done by pop but, bands oh, a lot at this point, and it just feels a bit uh, tired. Swing but. swing times a thing. Just yeah. just deal with it. <laughs> it's no. It's just it's just another tool in the toolbox. It's one they haven't reached for before, right? So that's what's interesting about it more than hey, yeah, look, swing time's been used by loads of bands. It's more interesting. Why have they not done it before? Mm. Right. Um, I want it to be a good album I think the evidence of it is that it could be I, I often feel with Tom while he brings a lot to the band he can also be the worst part of the band sometimes yeah I think that I just I just don't I don't have a clue what he's talking about more than anything <laughs> but you know when has that ever really mattered with Pink uh, yeah let's see would you be up for, for coming and doing a little revisited when we uh, have that album yeah, we'll yeah. See what we be... see what we make of it. 
Yeah, that would be an interesting one. So try and work out where to put it where in the list. Where to put it, yeah, that's it. I mean, here's the question, right? Can I reasonably put it anywhere above sixth? Because mm-hmm. if I do, then nine won't be six. I won't have the six-nine joke anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is a severe consideration for me. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, thank you for dedicating four hours of your <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I, I, it's fine. I was, I was only going to be washing up if I wasn't doing anything it's else. Just, just two guys in their mid-thirties talking about Blink-182 for four hours. And I'd happily do it again. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do the big old run-out spiel because if you've made it this far, you don't want to sit through all of that. Uh, all I'll say is... Remember Grimheart promo on socials for uh, gigs and things. We've got one that we're announcing very soon. The last one we did with false advertising fairs and muttering was really good. It was our most successful yet. Everyone had a great time. So keep your eyes out for the next one. Um, so yeah, that's it from us. Uh, there'll be another one of these at some point Yeah. with someone. I don't I'll, know when. I'll happily come back for them. I don't know when, I don't know who. I don't know who we'll be talking about, but uh, <laughs> there'll be something. It'll be sporadically appearing every now and then, like a surprise £5 note you left in your pocket. Stay safe. Bye. Bye-bye. What the fuck have I written? <laughs>